Welcome to Season 13 of the Art of Teaching podcast. My name's Matthew Green and I'm so glad that you joined me today. Before we get started with our discussion, I would like to acknowledge the Darawa people, the traditional custodians of this land on which I'm recording, and pay respect to Elders past, present and emerging. I acknowledge the stories, traditions and living cultures of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples on this land. Today I have the pleasure of sharing another episode with you. I recently chatted with the amazing Hugh Van Kylenberg, who's from the Resilience Project and the Imperfects podcast. The Resilience Project delivers emotionally engaging programs to schools, sports clubs and businesses, providing practical evidence-based mental health strategies to build resilience and happiness. He has also teamed up with one of Australia's most successful comedians, Ryan Shelton, and his very talented brother, Josh, to create the Imperfects podcast. This podcast is all about how perfectly imperfect we are. But this conversation was so much more than that. We talked about the power of being present for those that matter most and discussed some of our challenges and shared strategies with being a dad. I hope that you get as much out of this conversation as I did. Please enjoy. you uh welcome to the podcast thank you uh thank you so much for taking the time to to chat to me today uh where are you where are you phoning in from for those people that can't see your background so i was in i've been in the studio doing podcast stuff all day so we have this beautiful studio um which i thought i could do the interview there but everyone's still there so we've got another like a, a studio we do resilience project presentations from so i thought that'll be a great place to do it from that was also booked um it's a full house in the office so i'm now sitting in my volvo xc40 <laughs> um <laughs> doing the podcast chat uh in the car which is um acoustics are still uh, are good so um nice one i could have not told anyone i could have said i'm in a studio somewhere <laughs> would have done yeah. the job yeah that's right probably the most important question hugh uh for when i can uh nip down to collingwood and buy a coffee what's your favorite uh what's your coffee order well, the, my co- my my coffee order is is almost always the same. Well, no, that's not true. It's changed at the moment. What the, the, I think the bigger question around here is where do you get your coffee from? Because here <laughs> that's in a Melbourne, I question. would say. Well, I think I think people see Melbourne as a as the coffee capital of Australia, but Collingwood is in fact the capital suburb of of Melbourne for coffee. So the options here are, are quite extraordinary. Um, Right now, so this is going to annoy anyone from not Melbourne, who's not from Melbourne. But right now, I have a coffee called a Bulletproof, which is like, yeah, yeah, which I won't even go into. But it's um, that's my. But a lot of cafes don't do that, so I, I would say a safe bet is a piccolo in the morning, and then a filter or a batch brew in the afternoon would be my huh? very very Melbourne answer to that question. Nice one. And uh, Hugh, tell me a little bit about running. Uh, why is it so meaningful to you? For those people that don't follow you on Instagram, your uh, your Instagram feed is full of uh, uh, running adventures. So why is that something? Is it something which you've always loved uh, or is it something which yeah. is meaningful? Great question. I'm very happy to start. With what a, I mean, you're really coffee and running. You, you really have got me very excited very yeah. early on. Yeah. So uh, running to me is that thing that 
I mean, I get stopped by a lot of people who will share their story or a friend's story or a family member's story of um, loss or suffering or pain or struggle they're going through. And, and often they'll finish the story by saying, what, what's your advice or what should we do? And I, I am very reluctant ever to give advice because I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a therapist. I'm not trained um, in all that. But I often feel like I often feel like saying to them, I feel, I feel like giving them a brand new pair of running shoes and saying, mm, I agree. if it's for them personally or it's the person who is struggling, give it to them or you take these and wear them out and come back to me when you wear these out, when you've worn these out, and let's see how you're going. Because I just the therapeutic values. Well, sorry, the therapeutic value in running is. I don't know anything else like it. And I mean, I know a lot of people, like my podcast host, co-host Ryan Shelton, hates running. He will never run. I tried to encourage him to do a 5K fun run in six-month time um, that we would raise money for and we would get people to join us and all this stuff. And he said, I can't think of anything worse. I hate running. Yeah. So I get for some people, it's but just for me. It's amazing. And I, it? I don't, yeah, it's beautiful. It's just that I'm, I'm, it's, it, I mean, it sounds like you're, you're into running as well. Matthew, you're you're yeah, a runner. Well. If you ever want to know if someone's done a marathon, don't worry, they'll bring it up. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, look, uh, yeah, like I, I, I really do. I absolutely love it. I'm, I'm probably, I'm a little bit rusty at the moment. So it's something I'm trying to get back into. But it is, um, it's really like, it's really transformed my life. I know that sounds, um, yeah, that sounds quite an extraordinary no. use of words. But it, but it has. It's the discipline. It's the it, it's it's so therapeutic. I, I absolutely love it, and I find myself going down a deep a deep dive, uh, looking at people's running routines and shoes. And but there's nothing <laughs> quite like after a busy day at work, putting those running shoes on and just sort of pottering around the suburbs. It's really um, it's really wonderful. Yeah, there's something. Yeah. About See, I mean, your your chosen distance is about forty one point um six k's further than my running distance. I'm a four hundred meter <laughs> runner, so we're a little bit different in that regard, but. Yeah. That, that thing you said before about like people will turn if they run a marathon, I would say that, and so they should. Like it is, I, I've never run a marathon. I've never. I think I've done the most I've done is ten k in one go. But to that, yeah to be able to to be able to run a marathon, I mean the amount of um, discipline and bravery and everything that that it takes to do that. I, I think it's just you absolutely should be able to tell anyone you want any time down a marathon because I it's so it's very transformative as you, as you just said and yeah it's so therapeutic and it's just it's a great I mean my, my training is so vastly different from marathon runners what I do is so different yeah. but I would say we have a very similar I'd say yeah. the emotional and mental benefits would be quite similar well, well, I think um, I think what is so lovely, uh, and I promise this uh, for those that are listening, this is not a podcast on uh, uh, running stories. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I do think it is really so far. Um, there's no evidence of that whatsoever. No, but yes, keep going. <laughs> that, that's right. Um, but I absolutely, um, I I just love the process. You know, I I remember yeah. um, there are so many people that are so much better and so much faster and so much stronger and so uh so much more lean uh than myself and and it's, but it's, it's wonderful that community i remember uh running yeah. my trail run and being absolutely hopeless and almost dying on multiple occasions but then <laughs> people waiting for you and helping you and supporting you and it's just this sense of community and camaraderie and it's uh really um it's really quite wonderful. Uh, really transformative. It's a bit of a rabbit hole, though, isn't it, mate? Have you, how many pairs of shoes have you bought? Oh my gosh! Um, 
I don't. I, I the thing is, I don't throw them out because I just love. I love running shoes so much. <laughs> yeah, I was actually yeah. at my favourite shop, which is um, the running company in Clifton Hill, the other day. Yeah, and um, I was try tried on three different pair of spikes. So as a sprinter, you wear spikes, and yeah. I've got a pair of training spikes, which are dragonflies, uh, Nike dragonflies, which I'm obsessed with. That's the only thing I've trained in. Then I race in a Max Fly, and I've got I've now got four pairs of Max Flies. I've got four pairs of dragonflies um and then so i only really wear nike um because they're very very kind to me the people are very good people at nike to look after me um and then yes. throughout the day when i'm my warm-up uh will be done in a pegasus um turbo um so i'm a big pegasus turbo man. i've got a few pairs of those nice. plus keg 40s as well um i've got a couple pairs of them. <laughs> i've also got the infinity react fours as well at the moment on the go but i have my wife hates it and she doesn't understand why I don't throw them out, but I've just, I can't throw them out. They're too important. <laughs> nice. Um, if you're just wondering, um, is there a book that you've read recently that's caused you to uh, just stop and sort of reconsider a few things in your life? Could be a book, it could be books. Um, but is there any book that's sort of impacted you uh, recently? Oh, great question. Ironically, I haven't read much in the last few months because um, I, I say ironically because over the summer holidays is when you think to you'd be able to get your reading done. But with three kids under the age of seven, uh, summer holidays is I just don't we just don't get the chance during the day. And then it's time for, to go to bed. I'm too tired to last a page. So yeah, I have. Um, I had the great pleasure of being asked to give a testimonial comment um for chanel contas uh the book is called consent laid bare wow. and it's explaining it's talking about the rape culture in australia and how i mean she asked so so she asked me to give a, a front cover comment or her publisher said can you please give us a comment to this and i do get asked a little bit to to do that too and i am trying to be very careful with the books that i i just don't want to be someone yeah. who just just uh, yeah, because every single book, because then it sort of loses its power. But um, I said, look, I, I said, send through the book, and I'll, I'll have a look at it. And and I actually stopped halfway through the first chapter, and actually nominated her for Australian of the Year. <laughs> um, I was so blown away with um, she's basically examining and exploring rape culture in Australia. Um, and this is this Chanel's a person who. Uh, Sydney girl went to a private school and she said, she put on Facebook or Instagram a thing saying, please get in touch if you feel you have been sexually assaulted Gosh. by a private by a private school boy in Sydney. Wow. And she had 750 replies within the first 48 hours, I think it was. Gosh. Um, and she has then gone on to make a career basically out of um, advocating for consent education in schools. Amazing. And and I'll tell you the reason that it had such a big impact or the reason it's had a big impact on me and the reason we had her on our podcast, The Imperfects, and I, I've i never felt so nervous before an interview because oh. I have to be very honest, having read the book and understanding what rape culture is now, I have to say, I hand on heart, I, I have been a part of that rape culture. I have laughed at really sexist jokes when I've been a part of a football club or a career club. I have um, heard men discuss things that are, you know, talk about um, sexual yeah. stuff as currency and try and one-up each other with sexual yeah. stuff and conquests. And, and I was like, well, that, that's it's a big part of sporting clubs in a lot of sporting clubs in Australia. And I have been witness to that. I've partaken in that. And I, I never once stopped and called it out. And so... So important. Yeah, and it was, and I realized as I was reading the book, I thought, well, 
actually makes the case for 90, 95% of the sexual assaults or the rapes that actually occur would actually not happen if it was for proper consent education, if, if young men were actually given the education around what, when it's like a yes, if it's an emphatic, enthusiastic yes, it's a yes. Otherwise, it's a no. Yeah. Um, and I don't think men quite understand that also because men, there's just so much um, ego and identity built around sexual conquest that it comes from a place of trying to fit in themselves, but yeah. not without thinking the, the impact it has on someone else. So consent is a long answer to your question, Matthew. Sorry, but consent laid there by, a great answer, yeah. by Chanel Contos is... Um, it's an extraordinary and extremely important book for this country. Wow. I'll um, uh, I'll make sure I put uh, a link to that amazing book. Yes, please do, yeah. I haven't had the, the privilege of reading it, but it's a, um, yet another thing to be on my uh, uh, yes. my, my reading list. Um, if you just let me uh, quote a moment, um, uh, something you said about your mum. It was such a, a, a beautiful quote, and it says that mum always validated what I was feeling. Uh, she helped me find the emotion that lay beneath a problem and worked towards a solution. And I'm just wondering why that was uh, so important for you and also what you're most grateful for from your parents. I don't know how mum, I asked her the other day why, how, like, how she knew back in the 1980s to always try and help me identify the emotion I was experiencing. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the story that comes to mind, I mean, she did it all the time whenever I was, she'd ask me all the time what emotion I was feeling. Um, but there was a test when I was in grade two, eight years old i wet my pants at show and tell um <laughs> and it was like it couldn't have been more more um theatrical it was like my turn to show i had a football on a spinning top and i'd wait in the queue for i was the last person and i was busting i was like i better get through this and then i just i just wet my pants in front of everyone gray shorts as well so it was <laughs> it was no there was no doubt as to what had just occurred but and i, was, I ran to the towards crying and um I, it felt like i'd sat there for a whole hour but uh, mum turned up at the school to pick me up and take me home and in the car on the way home I was just I was so devastated and she wow. just kept asking me what I was feeling continually asked me what I was feeling um, and th it's funny when you when you label the emotion um, so I guess we're talking about emotional literacy here which emotional literacy I think is one of the most important skills you can teach a child the ability mm -hmm. to label the emotion they're experiencing as they're experiencing it and I think about what's really important is you when you help someone identify what the emotion is in, in that instance there, you kind of help them work through that emotion rather than getting stuck in it mm, or kind yeah. of sort of following it. So for me, it was just embarrassment. And she asked why. And I said, um, well, I don't think anyone will want to talk to me tomorrow. I think I'm disgusting. And then we we're able to talk that through that um, people will like me because I'm a nice person and I'm a kind person. And they might be a bit funny at the start, but after maybe the first class the next day, people will kind of forget about it and keep talking to me and it might come up. And we just were able to talk through the whole next day in detail what might happen. And yeah. um I, I think when you oh, when you cool. when you yeah, so she's just always instinctively been great at that. She didn't know why she did it, um, but she's always done it really well. I think the thing I'm most grateful for, I mean, it sounds like a very general comment, but the amount of love in our house was just i mean i just always i never doubted how loved i was or how um how yeah how special i was to mum and dad yeah. and th there was nothing ever happened to happen that jeopardized that feeling of i always felt so secure and so safe in my own house 
Um, and even stuff like I look back and realize mum and dad must have been through some tough times in their relationship and with dealing with money and, and finances and, and all that kind of stuff throughout. But that never came through to us. Like they always managed to, to that stress always, I don't know where, what happened to it, but it never came down on top of us. And we never felt that. It was just a loving, safe, warm, um, it was just an amazing, our house was just such a happy household for, for the majority of the time. So I think that's what I'm most grateful for. And and how do you think that shaped the way that you parent? You mentioned you're a, a, a proud dad of oh, three kids. I don't, know about, I don't know about you, mate, but um, being a parent has transformed me in ways that I could not possibly imagine. Um, yes, no, that's consistent. In the world, but yeah. Kid very consistent with with my experience as well. It's transformed me in ways that I didn't want to be transformed. I have to say, I kind of thought, um, a lot of my very good friends have said it softened them up a lot, and they've become a lot more empathetic and a lot more um, empathetic about everyone in the world, not just their kids. Um, I feel like I was already quite empathetic, but for me, I like unfortunately, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say ashamed to say, I've been embarrassed to say it's made me a much angrier person. <laughs> I have a much shorter temper for things. Um, I think because I'm so severely sleep deprived, we've just been really unlucky. Our eldest two, our, our one and a half year old is just an absolute godsend, but he sleeps from seven till seven every single night. But the other two, seven and four, still wake up multiple times every single night. Um, and so I'm severely sleep deprived. And Penny and I have got some sort of stuff we're dealing with the kids some stuff that we didn't expect to pop up along our journey as parents stuff that has happened to the kids or stuff the kids have um yeah. stuff we're working with the kids with pediatrician all that kind of stuff um and so it, parenting is not the experience i thought it was going to be it's wow. so much harder um and it's so much more um the rewarding parts how i thought it'd be just you know, fulfilling, rewarding moments nonstop. It kind of hasn't been that, that for our journey for me and Penny. It's been a little bit tougher than I think the average journey. But um, so I would say it's changed me in a way that I've become a lot grumpier. Um, and my son said to me the other day, um, we're talking about Sunderman being really angry and said, you're an angry person. And I thought, God, it's so sad. I think these are the only two people in the world, my son and my middle daughter, my older son, who would describe me as an angry, angry person, which is disappointing because they're the two people I probably love uh, with Patrick that I love most in the world, the, the youngest as well. Um, but um, I, I am doing my absolute best and I'm trying so hard. And um, sometimes I don't know how else to deal with it other than getting angry at them, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. I think it's it's, it's so important, um, Hugh, and it's being a parent is really tough. I mean, for us, uh, our journey was, it, it took us a lot longer than we thought. And so there are things that um, we will never take for granted. So there's a gratitude. Mm. So, I mean, yeah. being woken up multiple times in the night, uh, we've, we've been there. It's it's pretty tough. Um, but there's never been a moment where I wished it away because yeah. everything and more that we had ever hoped, prayed and dreamed about. Um, right. Okay. And so it's just a different, it's a just just a different experience for so many people. I think for me, the thing that I am, I'm a lot less judgmental, I feel, when yes. I yes. have a meltdown in Woolies, I go, you know what, that poor, that poor daddy's trying his best. Um, yeah, totally. It, it, yeah, it, it really is transformative. And I know I, they just put things in perspective, you know? I, I Yeah, I totally agree with that. Everyone's journey is so remarkably different. I caught up with um, 
two of my best mates that I played cricket with a long time ago. We don't see each other much anymore, but yeah. one of them at 41 has just become a dad for the first time in his life. Yeah, well, and before, a few, about two months before he had the baby, he said, well, what am I in for? What's the... And the two of us, me and the other guy, had completely different, like completely different advice. So he, straight away, my mate said, best thing you'll ever do. Unbelievable. It is just... And I was like, well, it, it can be. It's it's sort of, um, yeah. and they both were confused. I said, well, it's not for everyone. It's not the best thing for everyone. Like things happen that you don't predict and that can throw you off course and give you a life you did not expect to be going, journey you didn't expect to be going down. And I, I feel like, I feel like I realize I'm being a little bit cryptic here with what's, what Penny and I are dealing with. We just, it's just a, yeah. a thing that we've sort of decided just to keep yeah. between our family. Yeah, oh. very personal. But, yeah. but um, uh, everyone's journey is very different. But what I would say to support what you said about being less, less judgmental, I mean, if you want to summarize very quickly, you know, an example, when I, before I had kids, when I got on a plane, if there was a kid screaming or crying or carrying on, I'd always go, oh, how am I sat next to this kid or why am I, <laughs> why am I near this child? Yeah. Now I stop, I go very close to saying, hey, is there anything I can do to help? Do you want me to walk around with your baby food? Can I do anything to this? Is You're doing such a great job. Like this is so hard for you right now. I just, I just, I give them, I try and give them a look of like, hey, I'm with you. I'm not like, don't yeah. worry about us. Yeah. You're doing an amazing job because a child on a plane, we've, we're getting to Ballina. We've got a two-hour flight coming up in a few weeks, Penny and I. And we're just taking Patrick, the 18-month-old. And I'm already dreading it. Like, he, I am already just like, how is this going to work for two hours, you know? Forget a long-haul flight to Europe. It's just that. It's like, oh, never, we'll never do it. We'll never do it. <laughs> I'll never know. But you, you, um, I heard you uh, quote something on the project a little while ago. And I actually, um, I was watching on YouTube and I paused it and went back and listened to it again and again and again. And, and sorry to quote yourself back to you, um, but you're basically no, saying... Um, uh, that you that it's not that you want your children necessarily to be happy. Uh, you want them to know that when something goes wrong in their life, they will have the tools and the challenges to push through hard times. And yes. I think it's a wonderful segment um, into some of the amazing work that you're doing uh, with Jim uh, and also the Resilience Project. I know we will we can't possibly go into it in in the detail that it deserves, but I just wanted you um, to maybe unpack that quote and, and tell me why why is it important to to teach your kids that being happy is is not the goal here, but it's being yeah. resourced to get through the challenges, and then we'll go on to some of your amazing work. Well, I think it was thank you. I think it was that was such a common question to be asked when I first became a dad back in two thousand and sixteen. Was what do you want most for your son? And I kept saying I wanted to be, I just wanted to be happy because I guess that's the line of work I was in was you know providing programs for schools and for workplaces and sporting yeah. clubs about yeah. experiencing joy, and then. I just realized, you know, the life of a zero to six months or even a year, say in in 15 minutes, you'll get the full array of emotions. You'll get everything. Yeah. You'll get laughter, but then you'll get sadness and then you'll get scared. You'll get fear. You'll get all those emotions pop up. And I just thought about my life and I thought, well, I don't, I, that, that's, I, I don't think, I, it's not realistic to say, gonna, like, if you say I want my child to be happy, do you mean, all the time like you're saying you just want to be happy every single day just be a happy person well that's no one no one's ever been that that's so unrealistic you we no one was ever happy the whole time it's completely unrealistic goal and i realized what i would like more than anything is for because I don't, I don't want them to have this life where everything's perfect nothing goes wrong they sail through life and when I mean, if i went through my life and nothing went wrong you know if my sister didn't you know not that i'm not not that i'm happy yeah. she had her mental but if my sister didn't have her mental illness you know if all the things that i've been through if i didn't you know if 
I didn't have someone break up with me just before our wedding and we didn't go through, I didn't go through a couple of years of heartache. I, I, I wouldn't have found Penny. And if I, if I didn't, you know, my sister didn't, sorry, my family didn't go through it. We went through with mental illness and I wouldn't be doing the work that I'm doing, you know, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't want my kids to be complete. I don't want my kids to dodge hardship and struggle. I don't want that. But what, I guess what I want more than anything is that they just know when something goes wrong, here are some things you can do that will really help you. And I want them now. The thing I'd add to that since doing that interview on the project um, is that I would want them, I want them to not only know the things they do, but know that one of the first things you've got to do is start talking about it with with people that you love or people that you trust. Um, I mean, I, I've got to the point now where sharing, I, I share stuff with the whole of the country because I just, the more and more I do it, the realize, more I realize it's just, it's it's for me, it's not an unsafe thing to do. To sell someone, um, what are some examples I've shared in the podcast recently? Yeah, there's a you lot. Know, trivial things like, yeah. there's a lot. There's, there's a, a lot. lot I mean, yeah. There's a lot. There's things like wishing I was in a different chapter of my life. I found myself wishing so much that the kids were, I've been thinking back to when I was 30 years old and I had no responsibility and how great that was. I've been wishing my kids were in their teens um, so I could just get some sleep. Um, although everyone says mm. that's that's not how it works. But um, every time I share something I'm struggling with, people reach out and give you support and love and you realise you're not alone. Um, beautiful. Even when we're going through the toughest times with um, through COVID and our Elsie, who still doesn't sleep properly, but she would wake up literally every hour on the hour and cry for 15 minutes. Um, and I talked about, I just talked about the podcast about how I've just, I just don't want to, it's just parenting is not what I wanted it to be. I'm not enjoying it. I don't like being a parent. It's just, it's, I, no one's ever wanted to be a dad more than me, but then when it happened, I just, I just, I was, and then I had so many people reaching out saying, Hey, I've been through that. My kids are now in their early teens or they're, at primary school and it's just we're in such a great place where we have been there it does get better all that kind of stuff so when you share what you're struggling with with the world um and this is what i'll say to my kids one day when you share what you're struggling with you send out a, you send out a message to the world that hey i can't do this alone and the world responds by supporting you basically Hugh, one of the, the many things i love about the imperfects podcast is just how vulnerable you are like i remember i i feel like um the hosts uh so yourself and ryan and lael and and so many other people are are my friends because I feel like you're going through some things that us as a nation are really struggling with. I remember the episode where Ryan was talking about getting rid of his phone and then you were talking about like how hard parenting is and all of these different things. And more recently, Leia was speaking about a song that, uh, no, you were mentioning a, a song that you were mourning from your youth, I believe. And it was just I, the amount of times I walk around our local suburb and I'm laughing my head off and looking like an absolute nutter with my uh, headphones in. Um, so I just wonder, I guess I'm saying that because I, I just want to thank you, uh, Hugh, for your for your vulnerability. Um, and, and I think what these discussions that you're so uh, uh, graciously and, and bravely putting forward do is they make it normal to be able to talk about some of the struggles that we're all going through. Um, and so I, I'm incredibly grateful that for the, the dedication for yourself and the team. And you might just think you're having a go talking about your thoughts, but I guarantee that there are people out there that are going, oh, my gosh. I'm not the only one that thought parenting was hard. I'm not the only one that felt that my life would be in a different place to what it is now. So I just wanted to thank you for that, mate. It's, it's a it's a huge privilege. I It's the podcast I look forward to. I refresh my feed uh, frequently in the hope that there's a new episode. So really grateful, mate. Thank you. Oh, no, that, that's very kind. I, I think it's kind of that thing that when we started doing the podcast, it was 
I mean, really, we've only ever tried to make the show that we really enjoy making and have guests on that we really enjoy chatting to. And we've never really thought about what is everyone. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's always been about a show that we would just like to make and what the feedback we get and get stopped a lot by people who have talked about the impact it's had on them. But I think, I think it's that thing I was just like what I was saying before about um, what the message I want my kids to have is that um, when you, when you talk about what's not going, when, when you send a message to the world that I'm not coping, whether it's any examples you just mentioned, mm. um, the world will wrap its arms around you and that's kind of um, the experience we sort of try and create. Well, I, I guess we're trying to model that to, to the country, that it's okay to to struggle and to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely, Hugh. And I just wanted to I get some sort of dad advice, um, if you don't mind. Um I'm not oh. sure I'm the best person to ask, but I'll, I'll try. <laughs> Look, I I mean, you have a wonderful team that works with you and helps organising some of the amazing things that you do with the Resilience Project. And um, it seems like your life is very full. Um, mm. How do you or how have you learnt to to show up for those that matter most? Because when you when I get home, I'm tired, you know, yeah. or I just want to, I just want to watch something. I just want to not be spoken to by many humans um how do you how do you show up for those that matter most mate and uh is it um is it something you feel like you're getting better at yeah i mean it's it really speaks to the conversation we're having earlier around like the the fact i've noticed myself being a lot angrier than usual i yeah so one of the important things i'll do is when i get home i'll leave my phone in the car mm. um because i do often think about how they'll remember this time. The, the, yeah, the yeah. four-year-old, seven-year-old will remember this time. Um, and I remember I have incredible memories of dad, like dad getting home from work every single day was just the most exciting thing to happen of the day. And when he got home, um, if I wanted to play cricket, we would be, he would play cricket with me. If, if, I, if he wanted to go, if I wanted to go for a swim, he'd go for a swim with us. Whatever we wanted to do, he just... I mean, I should be giving mum more credit because she was home with us all all day, every day. Um, but I'm comparing myself to my dad for obvious reasons. When dad got home, my, my memories are he was extremely available to okay. us until we went to sleep. And that's a really amazing memory to have. And I think it's a – I never questioned, I never knew any other way as a kid, but I look mm -hmm. back and realise that. It's really beautiful. Dad could have sat in the couch and watched television. He's been – he's a dentist who had been seeing people from seven – he would work from seven till five every single day. I can't even begin to imagine how exhausted and probably stressed he was. Um, but my memory is that he was just there with us. And I do really want my kids one day in 38 years' time when they're on a podcast and I ask what their dad is like yeah. uh, to say that he was, you know, I, I've said to both Benji and Elsie, when you see me on my phone, can you yell at me, get off your phone? Um, and it's a little bit, uh, it's a bit more, they have to yell at me more than I'd like to admit, but. Yeah. Um, at least there's that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a, yeah. it's just a great reminder to me um, yeah. to have them, the people I'm worried about. The reason I want to be off my phone is for them. So for them to call me out, it's really good, but um, I'm not perfect at it, but I do, when I get home, just think these are like, we're making, these are opportunities to make important memories with, with my kids. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to stuff that up because. I definitely won't have another go at it. Um, I've had a I've had a vasectomy, so it won't be going around again. <laughs> be going again. So this is this is my last chance um, to make those special memories when they're this young. 
I love that, Hugh. And and a little while ago, I um I spoke to an incredible guy called uh, Dr. Adam Fraser, and he talked about mm-hmm. the concept of the third space. And I absolutely love that. Oh yes, yes. And he is just wonderful and generous, and 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 his work really has been transformative. And and every day when I walk up to my front door. I stand in front of the door and I just give myself five seconds and I ask myself, how do I want to show up today when I go mm. through this door? Mm. Um, and the first thing I do is I go and give my wife a, a hug and a kiss. My kids are freaked out because they think it's disgusting, but I think they should see that. Uh, and I go and play with my kids. And I don't always get it right, but I think being a little bit conscious and asking yourself yes. that question is really important. And I also felt really... I will, I will definitely I will definitely yeah. take those advice, definitely. I mean, I, I have to say, I think if I... Yeah. If I um, I think my wife would be freaked out if I went and gave her a hug and a kiss, but <laughs> <laughs> and not just the kids. But I think that's yeah. a really I will I will take that advice tonight before I get yeah, home. I love and, that. And, and I think as well, like just um I felt really challenged or convicted or, or whatever word you, you want to use the other day is I, I spend a lot of time like preparing to talk to people like yourself. Like I read books multiple times i think i can tell you very well researched well well well, i think do you know what? i actually think it's a it, it's it's respect and it's courtesy if someone's willing to mm. give me their time the very least i can do is read the book um yeah. but i also felt real i felt really challenged because I, I i don't often use that intentionality for the people that i live with and i love and so uh, <laughs> and and i just it was just the other day i'm driving home and i'm thinking i've i've, I've got to do this i've got to do that and then the time with those that I love the most just tends to happen or gets thrown to the wayside in many ways. And so I, I felt really, my wife and I have started doing date nights. Uh, we do date nights every week, and, but a date night may be a cup of tea on the lounge. It may be somewhere fancy. It may be something a little bit, yeah. something else. But being a little bit intentional with the time uh, for those mm. that matter the most, I think is really important. And actually asking and thinking about what questions do I want to ask? What um yeah, because that time is is not something I think that um, I ever want to take for granted because if it wasn't for the wonderful people at home, I wouldn't get to do the things that I get to do outside of home. Um, but it sounds like you, it sounds like you don't need advice from me. It sounds like I need advice from you. <laughs> oh, mate, I've got a, uh, I, 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 I'm a very, uh, I married a, um, an incredible lady. Um, and so I think we just, 15 years married this year. It's gone quick. Uh, Congratulations. Um, yeah, really exciting. But Hugh, um, I do want to be respectful of your time and speaking of which um, you've got some people that you need to turn up for at home uh, and, and and give a hug. Um, I, I did just want, it would be amiss of me to um, just ask a, a couple of questions um, about your incredible documentary uh, that was released uh, uh, recently. I promise you, I didn't get the, uh, um, uh, I signed up and paid for a subscription. I didn't use the free version, uh, but uh, what, tell me a little bit about the documentary, the gem documentary and, and what do you hope um, will be achieved by putting it out into the world because it is a it's an incredible uh work of art thank you matthew um so that uh, yeah we we've been asked for a while to to put my talk online so the talk i've been doing for a very long time now nearly 15 years i guess as long as you've been Gosh. married wow. um i've been doing that doing it doing a talk or a variation of that talk for and it was um, at its peak, it was five talks a day, um, so up around 20 to 25 talks a week. Um, started in 2011 was the first time I did it, and wow. just before COVID hit, I'd sort of said to the team here, I need to, I, I can't keep doing this talk. It's just, it's, um, I'm completely over it, um, and we'd agreed to sort of scale it back and I wouldn't be doing talks for a little while. 
But then COVID hit and then we all felt it probably wasn't the right time to stop talking about stuff we can do to improve our mental health and to cope well in a challenging time. So yeah, so I kept going um, and then by the end of 2022, uh, in 2021, I was absolutely spent. I had nothing left to give. Wow. Um, and But we did feel like it was a pity to not, I mean, there was still demand for it. People still wanted to hear the stories and hear about the practical stuff we talk about, the resilience projects. So uh, around that time, we were approached by a production company called Princess Pitcher, who said they wanted to capture the talk or the experience of going to the talk, um, and which we said we're interested in doing, but we said it needs to be done really well um, because we do want to capture what it's like to be in the room. And they said, okay, well, we think Amazon Prime will be interested in doing it. We went, okay, well, that's <laughs> they'll probably do a good job. Yeah. Um, so armed with um, the people at Princess Pictures and then the budget that Amazon gave us, we were able to... Wow. Um, to recreate, well, we tried to recreate. We tried to create the feeling of what it's like to be in the room for one of those talks. We shot at the Athenaeum Theatre, so I had to do it. We did it twice back to back with two different crowds to give us options for for if I stuffed up a line the first time, we could have a second go at it. Um, in fact, we did it. We did it three times. So I did it first without a crowd, so there's no one there for the first one. So from four till six, there was no one there. We did a camera just right in my face for a, just to try and create more of a, a close up um personal oh, sort of view which we didn't actually use in the end we didn't use that camera in the end um because it was a bit too intense um <laughs> and then and then i went back to back two shows in a row so it was a, it was about six hours in a row of sort of talking it was exhausting but the end product is now anyone can watch it anywhere wow. at any time um for the cost of a well the free subscriptions they don't have to pay for it which is great so from our point of view that's a great result that everyone can sort of see that whenever they want anywhere around the world. Yeah. And um, I mean, your work at the Resilience Project is, um, uh, like I said, it's really transformed the way um, that I have taught and the way that I've interacted with my kids. Oh, that's amazing. It's really, um, like, I, I, and I mean that, it really has been transformative. And, and what I'll do is, I'll, as I said, I'll link to all of the resources in the show notes, and I'm sure that there will be information there if, if schools would like to be part of the program. Um, but it has, um, uh, it's been really wonderful, I think, to see the impact um, uh, of my students um, when I when we implemented it a number of years ago at, at a former school. And so thank you for that. And these conversations um, really, really matter. And, and I think it's, it, it, like I said, your vulnerability and your incredible stories and storytelling um, is, you really have, you and your team really have created an incredible resource. And the fact that it is accessible to um to people at the click of the button is um yeah is something i think you should be really proud of oh that's very kind matthew we i've been in the office today with with um both the podcast team and the resource project team and it's it's um i i feel yeah i mean it's yeah i just pinch myself we had yeah. it's like 25 people in here today 30 people in here yeah all working away at, at bringing this product out to schools and to workplaces and amazing um yeah it's it's um it's such a privilege to be able to do the work we do. It really is. But to hear it has the impact yeah. on people like yourself means a lot. So thank you. You're welcome. And uh, just a couple more questions, um, if you don't mind, Hugh, just before yeah. I go. Um, so you, uh, Kathy Freeman's your celebrity crush, or was your celebrity crush. <laughs> Tell me about that. <laughs> oh, is this someone who grew up, I guess it was just someone who grew up worshipping um, sports yeah. people and sport and yeah. I mean, I would have been when I first. I, so I watched a lot of athletics and track and field. I used to go out to Olympic Park in Melbourne and watch these mates 
Um, and every now and again, yeah. you'd see Kathy Freeman, and and I just, I just um, see you, Alicia. Bye. Bye. Just saying goodbye to our, our common <laughs> marketing person, um, uh, Kathy Freeman. I just had the biggest crush on Kathy, and then I was in I was in Sydney. I didn't go to that the Sydney Olympics. I wasn't there in the stadium, but I was in Sydney for the Olympics, and it was the Kathy Freeman show, and that just, you know, that's still the. I think that's still the greatest sporting performance I've ever seen in my life. So yeah. um, that that, that um, childhood crush will never go away, I don't think. <laughs> I uh, I had a poster of ginger spice uh, on my <laughs> my bedroom wall. I was born in the UK, and uh, yeah, we uh, we don't want to uh, take the podcast down the wrong uh, in the wrong direction. But um, uh, Hugh, um, I, I had a poster of sporty spice. So there we go. Yeah, nice, nice. So uh, Hugh, how do we better uh, in closing? How do, how do we better embrace imperfection? Um, because you're the you're the resilience guy, and is there ever any pressure to kind of have it all together and and to, to kind of push through? And how do we how do we better embrace um, imperfection in our lives? Well, I thought there was. I thought there was. I, for a while, I did assume I needed to to be perfect. But um, like a lot of people, COVID unravelled me, and, and I realised very quickly I didn't I didn't need to. Yeah. Especially here in Melbourne, with the lockdowns we had, but. Um, I would say, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing the majority of your listeners here will be teachers, and I would yeah. say that teachers have a very big role to play. Um, not in, you don't have to get down and say, guys, it's really important you embrace your imperfections and, and lecture on them. I think just modelling it the whole way through your yeah. day as a teacher, it could be the smallest things. Um, I remember the way I taught symmetry symmetry in um, <laughs> grade, in grade for, to grade five girls, I just had a pimple right in the middle of my head. And so we measured, we all measured the distance from the pimple from my ears to my so the, to the people to my ear on either side and then we worked out that it was it was symmetry it was like straight down the middle um and so i think i think just modeling that you're okay with your imperfections throughout the year i think is i think it's the most powerful thing you can do you, you wouldn't you don't have to mention the podcast you don't have to lecture anything on anything just just be okay with your imperfections in front of them and it'll have a an enormous impact on them yeah and save me a whole lot of anxiety along the way yeah could couldn't couldn't agree more, Hugh. And um, if a final question, um, yeah, what has what has hosting a podcast taught you from one budding podcaster to to another? What's what, what's it taught you, and what's been some of the most valuable lessons? It's a really good question. Uh, I mean, that's a podcast episode in itself. Sure um, so. We've been very lucky. So working with Ryan Shelton and Bridget Northeast, our producer, and Josh, my brother, yeah. the four of us come from very, very different professional backgrounds. And so when we're creating this, I mean, I first floated the idea to Ryan back in, I can't remember what year it was, about five years ago, and it took about three months to convince him to do it. He said, oh, I'm happy to help produce. I'm happy to be behind the scenes, but you don't need me on it. And then when he agreed to be honest, I remember thinking, oh, great, we should, I, I said, well, you know, when are you free next week? Like we should start doing some kind of, and it was a year until we put out our first episode after that conversation. Wow. So wow. he was so thorough as far, so he comes from television world, he comes from Hamish and Andy yeah. world, which is where there is so much thought. So much. And discussion and back and forth and planning about what, each episode will be and what the well, I mean, what the show is going to be in the first place, um, and then what it stands for, who it's trying to serve, um, 
the conversations around how you have the conversation. Everything was so meticulously planned. Whereas it was up to me. I would go, let's let's just start next week. We'll have a great conversation. It'll be good. We'll record it, stick it out there. Whereas he was he's from TV world. It takes it takes a long time to produce to to, to create a show. You can't just have an idea and do it the next week. Um, Josh comes from the world of um, storytelling through the as a videographer. Um, that's okay. Uh, he has a um, so he, so the way Josh will tell stories visually is really compelling, and the thought he puts into the way things look as well as well they sound. Um, obviously, it's a very different podcast. We're, we're very much in. We're, we're doing. A, we're putting out episodes on YouTube this year. So, um, and Bridget comes from. Um, well, she's been a producer on a whole range of things. One of them is Hamish and Andy, but then also um, came directly from MasterChef to us. So she's been producing TV shows. So the level, the attention to detail and thoroughness that she puts into every single um, episode oh. and the meetings that we have, it's just, um, yeah, That's we cool. all have a very different take on how it should be done. So I don't know if I answered the question there, but, but I would say the advice I have... Um, is to create the show that you love. So, I mean, create the show that you would love listening to. Love In the end, having said all that, um, I've learned a lot of them around just taking your time to make sure if you've got an idea, just flesh out the idea properly rather than trying to flesh it out on the air. I think a lot of people fall for the idea of going, oh, I might tell a bit of a funny story about um, this and see where it takes me. Yeah. Whereas, uh, I mean, even chatting to, I've been like a chat to Hamish Blake about this Um it's like you will have an idea and then flesh it out beforehand. Don't flesh it out live on the podcast, hoping that you arrive yeah. at a good place. You need to be yeah. really thoroughly prepared with. Um, if I'm going to bring a story to the podcast, what what am I expecting of Ryan Josh in the story when I'm telling it? Um, what is it? Is it um, is that realistic? That what I'm asking for them to do in that? Yeah. With the, oh, I just after reaction. In, in which case, from just after reaction, go for it. But if I need put them on the spot with something, what kind of setup will they know? All that kind of stuff. Just being really thorough. But but if Love I can that. come back to if I come back to this the explicit question you asked or the specific question you asked, it's just I think you just got to create the show that you would love to listen to. Love that. Um because that's what's really, really true to you, what you'd love to listen to. And that's the show that you'll do best. Yeah. And and it's I think it takes a lot of effort to make something look effortless. Um, yes, that's yeah. And and I um, I, and I like, of course, as most of the nation are, just a huge fan of the um, of, of the Hamish Nunny podcast. And I remember it really getting me through some challenging times, and also teaching me just to be able to laugh. The life's pretty funny. And then I love yeah. that I love the discussions. I feel like in the Imperfects podcast that I'm sitting at that table having a conversation with with a group of friends. And, and so it's, it, it, it's a wonderful, um, a wonderful resource. And, and Hugh, before we wrap up, I, uh, I, I did just really want to like, truly thank you, not only for the work that you're doing, and I'm sure there's times that it feels like a struggle, but the, the impact that you're having, um, not only uh, through the podcast, but also through the resilience project is, is, is truly outstanding. And also just being able to bring these conversations um, to light, I think is so um, incredibly important. And, um life's pretty funny you know there's a lot of funny yeah. things that happen and and for us to be able to sit back through some challenging times and laugh at them um i think you'll never really know the impact um of those mediums on on people's lives because it's it's great and uh please keep doing the work that you're doing um i still um when i sent you a voicemail uh on instagram i i, I never in a million years 
um, thought I would get a response. Um, and that's not a reflection of you. It's just a reflection of the medium in which I chose to connect with you. But but to get one back and to hear your willingness to participate in this project um, really meant the world. I, I saved it and played it to my wife and she goes, you got to stop freaking out about that. I said, it's just, I think it just goes to show the, um, the importance of generosity and being able to give uh, and support others. So Thank you. Well, for I mean, that's no, a pleasure. I mean, I think you have the most important job in the world. I think teachers have, I've said this yeah. many times, but I think teachers are the most important job in the world. Um, and so I, it's a privilege to be asked to do this podcast. So anyway, I can, if your listeners get anything, whether it's just where to get coffee from in Collingwood or to, <laughs> or to, 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 to pick up a pair of brand new running shoes, whatever it is, if it helps teachers, then I'm in because it's the most important job in the world. Amazing. Hugh, um, thank you for your time. Um, I, I truly appreciate it. And I hope that you get to spend some quality time with your loved ones tonight. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And just a bit of behind the scenes for all your listeners. Um, if uh, Matthew had a real life test of resonance with this interview, you won't know it from his edit, but uh, I dropped out four times and uh, he's had four cracks at this and he's pulled it together beautifully. So uh, he, this is a, he is past the real life test of resonance. <laughs> Thank you so much, Hugh. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Pleasure. Thank you, Matthew. Have a good night, mate. so much for taking the time to listen to the podcast episode today it's a privilege to get to share these conversations with you and continue to invest into our incredible profession if you have a few moments please do me a favor and leave a review on itunes spotify or through whichever platform you're listening today if you wouldn't mind also hitting the subscribe button and sharing it with your networks it would really help to get the word out to as many educators as possible there are different ways to connect in the notes below, including links to the website, the Facebook group, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you again for taking the time to listen. It means the world.